Well, here we are back again as I promised. Okay, I am, as you all know, the real Sybil, aka Madame, and welcome to Blunts and Broads, and I am the main broad, the real Sybil. Okay, and just know the other broads are doing their thing, and when it's time, they will check in and do their thing on blunts and broads as well, as I promised on the previous segment. But as of now, this segment is to kind of recap and pick up on where we left off with the last segment, okay? And that is that I wanted to bring to the forefront something a little bit more serious, because as I promised, uh... I'm going to shut the hell up for majority of this segment because I want, you know, this uninterrupted because some of you, you know, maybe this will help some of you instead of me trying to break it down uh, my way, okay? So this is for all of you around the world who, you know, have strong beliefs in natural healing and things like that, no matter what your, your spirituality is or background and religion or none of that, you know, just put all that out the window. And what I want you to do is just really listen and pay attention, okay? Because I'm not judging one way or the other. I'm just saying, listen, pay attention, and then take from it what you wish and you decide what it means to you based on what your knowledge is of what your spiritual background you know entails wherever you got your spiritual background or religion or you know ritual uh you know from wherever it's stem from wherever you know whatever it is just know you know that's the reason i'm going to just let you guys listen to this with me because I'm going to listen to it too and just, you know, take from it what you wish, you know. I'm going to listen to it right along with you all. So let's get it, okay? And let's see what happens because I'm truly interested because this one here is, you know, something that kind of, you know, once again, you know, refers to something that I speak about all the time and that is again the proof or more meaning as to what the word holy does really mean and so you know this segment is about what is so to speak has been addressed as the proclaimed antidote to old age you know they're calling it the hidden book of exodus okay so for those of you who are religious and into the word and, and christianity and all that this one you know is for you you know because i gotta represent everyone so this one is special for all of you like i say into christianity you know no matter what your religious background is i think you know all of you may want to hear this because whether it's true or not true it still has messages in in it that you know are definitely, you know, uh, uh, 
confirmation to things that you probably already know or have heard already or have suspected already. So let's get it going, y'all. Here we go. Because like I said, I'm going to kick back and chill and listen to it and check this out. You know, because like I said, I ran across it and I just found some of the stuff I read about it kind of interesting. So here we go, y'all. Let's check it out. So I'm going to kick back. And if you if you ain't got your blunt ready, then you know what I've always said. Then you have not been listening to my show. Okay? Because that means you are already supposed to have your blunt rolled, ready to go, already puffing before you tuned in. Okay? And puffing as you go along if that's what you really want to to do okay so that's for all of us to elevate and uplift to a place where we can relax and you know accommodate our bodies minds and souls in a positive relaxing you know environment and energy level okay so let's go y'all here we go this one should help a lot of you and maybe me too so let's go y'all on three one two and three I'm a healer, born with natural gifts and the ability to heal, as well as vanquish some souls that promote harm and death, if I'm putting that position to have to, you know. So let's go, y'all. Fact. On average, the men and women of ancient biblical times lived longer than the men and women of today, much longer. If we travel back in time to the glory days of Moses, Noah, and Methuselah, it's biblically proven that these men all lived for several hundred years apiece. Not only that, but the Bible suggests that they lived well, maintaining their health, their strength, and mental faculties throughout their lives. And based on scripture, it also seems they lived without many of the modern ailments that we suffer from today. And it wasn't just biblical icons like Moses who experienced these blessings in ancient times. Common folk who observed the Bible did too, many of them living two or three times longer than we today. Even more baffling, they did all of that without modern science, without antibiotics, without x-rays, without prescriptions, and without carbon dioxide laser surgeries. But here's where things get downright strange. Look at this chart. On the left, you can see the average lifespan of people in Moses' day, Noah's day, all the way up through the life of Jesus. It's pretty incredible. But now if you look here, right around 300 AD, there's a tremendous drop in life expectancy, plummeting all the way down to just 35 years. Now if we look further to the right and bring us up towards modern times, we can see that the average life expectancy begins to climb gradually, eventually doubling as we get back to present day. I don't know for sure, but perhaps the gradual increase in lifespans over time correlates to improvements in science. And yet, with all our modern miracles of medicine, we still haven't even come close to the healthy, vigorous longevity of our ancient biblical ancestors. Why? And perhaps more importantly, what was responsible for the almost instantaneous, dramatic drop in lifespan that occurred sometime just after 300 AD? Hello, I'm Pastor Andrew. I'm a lifelong student of theology, and I've devoted much of the last 30 years to answering that very question. I now believe that I've found the answer. When I did, it shook me to the core. Because if I was right, it would transform an age-old Christian belief, and for many, even change what it means to be a Christian. What did I discover? Well, I'm just going to flat out tell you. At nearly the exact same moment that life expectancies plunged, around 333 AD, something else happened too. The original Bible, written in ancient Hebrew, was translated into Greek by Symmachus for the very first time. At first I thought, well, this must be a coincidence. Yet as I searched for any other historical evidence that could account for such a sharp decline, I found nothing. In my heart, I knew I was onto something. But if my theory was correct and the almost universal drop in lifespans corresponded to the Bible being translated by Symmachus, it created an even bigger mystery. Did 
the original Bible tell us to do something that later versions didn't? In other words, had something crucial and God-given been lost in translation? For a long time, I tried to answer that very question, failing time and again, until eventually, I gave up. Then one day, something unfortunate happened to my wife that created an extraordinary chain of events. A chain of events that led me to what I believe could be the biggest biblical breakthrough of the last 2,000 years. A breakthrough that may not only extend your life, but can help you enjoy that life throughout your golden years. So you can live well, without pain or suffering, regardless of your age, your genetics, or what your doctor has told you. In fact, Dr. David Allen, a prominent cardiologist out of Sacramento, California, believes that this may be the single most important medical scientific discovery ever. And Dr. Philip Denny, MD, called it a safe, effective, and non-toxic alternative to many standard medications. An all-natural alternative that you can start using from the comfort of your home today to experience immediate relief. I believe the hidden secret behind this discovery is nothing short of a miracle. Because not only does it have the power to banish physical pain, it can restore your memory, help you sleep deeply again, make you feel at home in your own body, wipe out anxiety or emotional trauma, all while it brings you closer to God. Many swear that this long-lost biblical secret even recharges your body's energy stores at the cellular level, giving you more vitality, immunity, mental clarity, and stamina than you've had in years. What I'm telling you is that the strange healing power behind this breakthrough, a breakthrough that I can promise you've never tried, let alone heard of, is powerful. So powerful, in fact, that in 2003, the U.S. government quietly took out a patent on it and now controls the fate of this miraculous discovery. So please, keep listening. It may be your only chance to hear this prophetic message before it gets banned. Few short minutes from now, I will reveal this long lost secret. A secret that's only just come to light because of a 2,000 year old mistranslation in the Bible. A mistranslation that could help reverse the aging process, restore your vitality, and heal you from the inside out. Finally, I will show you undeniable proof of the secret's holy healing power and why it took three strange and very public miracles to help me see what's been hidden in the Bible for nearly 2,000 years. Plus, I'll also reveal all the details on how to use this breakthrough for yourself right now to help address your major health concerns so that you can turn your body into a mighty fortress against pain, <laughs> suffering, and ill health, just like Moses and Methuselah did. But what gives me the right to share this breakthrough with you? Well, I'm not a scientist or a doctor. I'm a pastor of one of the fastest growing congregations in the country. I can tell you my whole story, how I've devoted my life to God and community, how I studied Hebrew in Jerusalem to better understand the ancient texts. But the truth is, my story isn't that important. What is important is how my wonderful wife, Lisa, developed searing chronic pain over the years. Pain that eventually stopped her from doing the activities she loved most, like gardening or playing with the kids in Sunday school, even opening up a jar of peanut butter. Naturally, we tried all sorts of solutions, from aspirin to medicinal herbs to prescription medication, and of course, lots of prayer. But nothing seemed to work. The truth is, I felt like a helpless child, watching my life decline and knowing there wasn't anything I could do about it. Then one morning, as I walked home from church, I spotted the old town library. As a biblical scholar, I had spent half my life in libraries, and there was something about them that always brought me a sense of peace. I stepped into the old building and began to poke around their medical section, hoping to find some sort of alternative solution to my life's ever-worsening pain. I leafed through books on unconventional pain relief remedies and allowed my mind to wander. An hour turned into two, then three, and as usual, I found nothing particularly useful. As I began to leave, I noticed a small sign that said Biblical Mysteries, and next to it was a spiral staircase. I was curious. Was this a new library section that I hadn't seen before? I climbed the winding steps, somewhat bewildered. When I got to the top, there were several bookcases filled with dusty old books, and one in particular caught my eye. It was faded green and worn-looking. 
The title was hard to read. I opened it up and began to peruse it. There were pictures of archaeological sites, images of ancient artifacts, Egyptian hieroglyphics, and verses from the oldest versions of the Bible, written in both Greek and Hebrew. According to the author's bio, Dr. Sarah Bennett was a world-class researcher of both ancient cultures and languages. I continued to skim through the book and landed on a half-torn page that had been marked several times. As I scanned it, I realized it was about a controversial discovery that Bennett made over half a century ago. She claimed that the scholars who translated the first versions of the Bible, from Hebrew to Greek, had made an error. And as she put it, it was an error that could change the entire meaning of the Bible. After extensive research, Dr. Bennett concluded that this error boiled down to one single mistranslated word. And for the last 2,000 years, scholars have continued to mistranslate it. Kanabosom. When Dr. Bennett went back to the original Hebrew text, she discovered that the word Kanabosom had morphed over the last 2,000 years as well. The two words, Kana and Bosom, eventually fused into one word, Kanabos, until finally Kanabos evolved into cannabis. Dr. Bennett went even further and claimed that cannabis was a God-given herb that was used throughout the entire Bible in holy ceremonies like the Feast of Tabernacles. But when the Bible was translated from Hebrew to Greek not long after the death of Christ, Kanabosom was mistranslated to sweet calamus, a yellow desert flower with no medicinal properties. So if Dr. Bennett was right, it meant that for thousands of years, people had believed Kanabosom was sweet calamus, when in reality, it was the controversial green plant, cannabis. At this point, my head was spinning. How could cannabis or marijuana be used in the Bible? Why did the mistranslation occur in the first place? I needed answers, so I rushed home and headed straight to my study, where I pulled out a gift a rabbi friend had given me during my time in Israel, an old Hebrew Bible that, according to the rabbi, contained the most accurate translation of God's word. With the help of my Hebrew dictionary, I began to read the withered Bible, looking for references of cannabis or cannabis, and I was shocked to find multiple mentions of it throughout the ancient Hebrew text. For example, when God spoke to the Israelites through the prophet Isaiah, God said, You have not brought any cannabis." me, or lavished on me the fat of your sacrifices, but you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your offenses. Isaiah 43, 23-24. I also saw references to cannabis or cannabis in Jeremiah 6, 20, Ezekiel 27, 19, and it was even mentioned in the Song of Solomon. Jeremiah 17, 18 mentions a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be disquieted in the year of drought. When I looked at the characteristics of cannabis, it strikingly resembled that of the green leaf plant mentioned in Jeremiah. For example, cannabis is one of the only plants in the world that can grow both in hot climates and near rivers, and be harvested during the most severe droughts. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, but despite Dr. Bennett's compelling evidence, evidence that she pulled directly from the oldest versions of the Bible, I was still skeptical. Why hadn't I heard of this before? How could cannabis, the little green plant that people used to get high, be such an important biblical herb, desperate for I decided to see if science could shed some light on what I wasn't seeing. I started reviewing clinical studies and research papers about cannabis, and that's when I learned that although cannabis and marijuana are related, the two plants are not the same, and that cannabis itself does not get you high. Because unlike marijuana, cannabis contains virtually zero THC, the psychoactive molecule that gives marijuana its euphoric effect. By this point, I was flabbergasted, and what came next sent chills down my spine. I found hundreds of medical studies that showed cannabis had legitimate healing powers. For example, in a 2016 study published in the European Journal of Pain, researchers discovered that compounds found inside cannabis were able to significantly reduce joint swelling in only four days. Plus, in another major study, medical researchers took 2,495 patients who had severe muscle pain and gave them cannabis. They were blown away when they 
they found that 100% of the patients treated reported having significantly less pain and discomfort. Then I saw a report about a 79-year-old woman named Hope Babowski, which really resonated with me. Hope was so beaten down by her pain and inflammation that her husband had to dress her each day. However, according to Babowski, cannabis saved her life because now she was able to enjoy the activities she used to love doing, like spending hours on her knees working on the garden, just like my wife used to do. I kept digging, ripping through study after study, finding more and more examples of cannabis's healing powers. I began to wonder, could cannabis actually be the miracle my wife and I had been praying for? Well, the only way to find out was to get my hands on cannabis right away. And of course, share everything I discovered with my wife, Dr. Bennett's research, how cannabis was used as a medical treatment throughout the Bible, and how new scientific studies proved it could reduce pain, lower inflammation, and help even the worst of ailments. But my wife was hesitant. Isn't that a drug? She asked, and of course I understood why. She, like so many Americans, had grown up being told cannabis was marijuana. But when I showed her all of the undeniable evidence, she was dumbfounded and agreed to try it. After many hours of researching the best quality cannabis oils, I found one that became highly recommended. And Lisa began taking it every day. Within a week or so, I saw her mood lift. She seemed to have more energy. Her skin had more of a natural glow. And I noticed that she wasn't tossing and turning as much in her sleep. All very promising signs that the cannabis was helping. But what started off as encouraging results began to taper off. And in the end, all of the cannabis did help slightly. It didn't reverse the serious chronic pain my wife was in. And I can't tell you how disappointed I was. The next day was a Sunday. It was dark and cloudy. And as I arrived in church to give my morning sermon, it began to rain like cats and dogs. The rain was quite a shock, actually. We'd been going through a drought for nearly a year, so this torrential downpour was a blessing. I threw a drenched feet to the bones, I made my way into the building. That's when the panic set in. I'd been so consumed by my research on cannabis, I'd forgotten to prepare today's sermon. For the first time in my life, I would wing it and preach about whatever verse I saw first. Dripping wet, I looked over the congregation and noticed amusement in their eyes. They'd never seen me this unprepared or disheveled before. I opened my Bible and glanced down as a drop of water fell from my hair and tapped the page, landing on Exodus 30:22. Well, it seemed like as good a place to start as any, so I began to read out loud. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Take the following spices, liquid myrrh, fragrant cinnamon, cassia, and sweet calamus, and make these into a sacred anointing oil. These will be used to anoint I froze and suddenly began to retrace the words I just read. Someone coughed. Everything all right, Pastor? Then it hit me like a hammer. In this very passage, God was giving Moses the recipe for holy anointed oil, and it called for sweet calamus. Sweet calamus, the mistranslated word that Dr. Bennett had uncovered in her book over half a century ago. Cannabis. Cannabis. I shout out loud, noticing the awkward reaction in the room. I ended the service as quickly as I could and rushed to my car. The whole ride home, I couldn't stop wondering. Had I just discovered the lost recipe for holy anointed oil? Was cannabis an essential ingredient? And if so, did I need to mix it with the other ingredients to make it effective? I burst into my front door and locked myself in my study and started researching the ingredients God described in Exodus. I began with myrrh. Now, I knew myrrh was one of the three gifts of the Magi that the three wise men brought to Jesus when he was an infant. However, as I investigated myrrh even more, I discovered that it's made from a resin. Resin is the thick substance that bleeds out of a plant when you puncture or cut it. You might know it as sap or the blood of a plant. And I couldn't help but find it fascinating that this resin was created from inflicting a puncture wound, just like the puncture wounds inflicted on Jesus when he died on a cross for our sins. I was struck by this incredible similarity, but I was even more shocked when I discovered that myrrh contains a special molecule called AKBA. In a major study published in the Journal of Molecular 
molecular and cellular biochemistry, researchers found AKBA to exhibit powerful anti-inflammatory efficacy. And in another major study, published in the Journal of Phytomedicine, patients with osteoarthritis were given AKBA. Within eight weeks, they experienced a decrease in knee pain, increase in knee flexion, increased walking distance. By this point, my excitement was growing by the second, so next I researched cinnamon. I was astonished to see that it's also been shown to help with inflammation and pain. In fact, I found several studies that showed cinnamon to demonstrate excellent anti-inflammatory activities. Then I jumped to cassia, a rare flower that grows almost exclusively in the Holy Land of Israel. No surprise, I found a study published in the Journal of Advanced Pharmaceutical Technology and Research that showed active compounds inside cassia to be highly anti-inflammatory. And Dr. Josh Axe, a leading natural health doctor, says cassia's anti-inflammatory properties reduced inflammation symptoms naturally. Last but not least, I looked into the healing properties of olive oil. I was blown away to see the mountains of research showcasing its little-known ability to relieve pain. For example, in a major 2018 study, scientists discovered that special compounds in olive oil, called polyphenols, could improve symptoms in a variety of inflammatory health issues. I was astounded. Each of the individual ingredients that God himself describes in anointed oil had deep healing properties of their own. I began to wonder, had anyone else figured out that cannabis was actually cannabis? And if so, had they gone ahead and mixed cannabis with the other ingredients that God reveals in the Bible? In other words, had anyone in the last 1,700 years mixed true anointed oil? The oil Jesus used to heal the sick, anoint his apostles, and bless his followers. The oil that had been lost in translation for so long. Surely someone's made the connection since Dr. Bennett's discovery. I continued to research, scouring the internet for any indication of real anointed oil, but I found absolutely nothing. Was it really possible that I was the first person in nearly two millennia to consider mixing these ingredients together? But of course, before I mixed the true ingredients, I had to actually get my hands on them. So I pushed onward, searching for someone who could help me. Until by what seemed like sheer coincidence, a member of my congregation introduced me to Paul, a local herbalist with a strong background in organic chemistry and experience extracting oil from plants. More importantly, Paul was a fellow believer and incredibly excited when I showed him all the studies and scriptures I'd found. So we got to work. But Paul and I were in for a rude awakening. Because it's one thing to get all the ingredients together. It's an entirely different thing to extract the optimal amount of each ingredient and then blend them all into a perfectly balanced oil. Before long, it seemed like Paul and I were spending every waking moment in the lab. Finally, after nearly three weeks of constant work, we had our very first batch of holy anointed oil ready to be put to the test. And I wasted no time in getting it over to my wife. First we prayed, then she drank some of the oil and smeared it on her knees and lower back. But after several days of this, she didn't feel any different. Disappointed but not defeated, I asked for God's divine intervention once again. Lord, show me what I'm missing, I prayed. Even though she hadn't gotten the relief I was hoping for, I felt I was on the right track. And it was only a matter of time until Paul and I cracked the code. We went back to the lab and kept pushing, working day and night, trying out different amounts of each ingredient, and sharing each new batch with my wife. But I could tell that Paul was beginning to lose steam, until one day, it finally broke down. 32 times, Andrew. We've tried 32 different formulas of this oil, and it hasn't worked. I love you, man. And I know this is for a good cause, but I can't keep working for free. My mom's medical bills are piling up. Paul was losing hope, but something in my heart told me to have faith in the oil. I pleaded with him. Paul, let's try it one last time. If this works, it could actually help your mom. I could see my words had made an impact. Okay, one last time, but that's it, all right? Finally, after 33 attempts, we had our last batch of the oil, which, by the way, appeared to be different from previous batches. It had an almost subtle glow to it, and this was the moment of truth. Lisa and I sat together in the garden and prayed, Father, let your will be done on 
earth as it is in heaven. She lifted her hand to take the oil, applied a few drops, and we waited. After about an hour, Lisa stood up slowly and deliberately. I feel different, looser somehow. Over the next hours and days, Lisa began a remarkable transformation. At first, her mobility began to return. I watched her carefully and began to notice her doing simple things, things which she hadn't done in years, like pushing dishes back on the top shelf, or cooking a delicious three-course dinner for us, or kneeling when she prayed before bed. And as Lisa's mobility improved further and she was able to do more and more on her own, her mood began to improve. In truth, Lisa had stayed mentally and spiritually strong throughout her trials and tribulations, but I can tell the difference between her putting on a brave face and being truly happy. As each day passed and she continued to take more of the anointed oil, I could see a genuine joy wash over her. Like a giant weight had been lifted, not only from her body, but from her soul. She was becoming the old Lisa, and by old Lisa, I mean a younger Lisa, right before my eyes. The vibrant, fresh-faced woman who I had first married. Over the next week, my wife became virtually pain-free, like a new I was so inspired by her progress that I began to take the anointed oil. The truth is, I had been having trouble sleeping for years. And this is a little hard to admit, but I did experience some level of daily anxiety. However, within a few short days of taking the oil myself, my anxiety seemed to melt away. And for the first time since I could remember, I slept through the night and woke up deeply refreshed. One day after service, the kids began to play a game of friendly dodgeball in the backyard of the church. As Lisa and I watched the game, some of the parents joined in. Then Lisa gave me a wink and said, Let's put the oil to the test, shall we? Honey, I don't think that's a good idea. Maybe steps, okay? But Lisa, ever the rebel, smiled at me as she strolled into the middle of the carnage. A hush swept over the crowd. You see, Lisa's chronic pain and physical limitations were no secret within our tight-knit community. So at first, the parents reacted with some shock. No one had the courage to throw the ball at Hmm. Hmm. Well, I wanted to just end it right there because the rest is just pretty blah, blah, blah about, you know, the missus uh, doing some, you know, things that she had not done in years uh, due to the uh, now uh, lessened stiffness and, and all that in the joints and different things that were ailing her that prevented from those activities she loved, just like a lot of people. So my thing is, you know, um, I just wanted to share that with you because uh, the moral to the story is, whether it's true or not, there is a success that comes out of it either way. And that is, if you stick to something long enough, meaning that doesn't mean you put 15, 20, 30 years into something and, 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 and it's still going bad that means if you're not at least coming close then you're on the wrong track altogether okay so basically what i'm saying is the moral to the story is when you find something that works stick to it in other words loyalty is everything ah holla oh but before I go, I have to do it every time, as y'all know. Uh, make sure you tune in for the next episode. And like I said, you know, this last episode was just a little something I wanted to share with everyone. Because, you know, there are just things that, you know, are right in our face and all this stuff that, that we'll be unaware of and even have the facts. And we'll still look away from those things that are helpful to us because somebody said this over here tasted better and looked better. So 
uh, you need to spend some money for this over here or more money than necessary for this over here for a, a, the same outcome or a better outcome. So I'm just saying, you know, just keep the message in it. And that is, you know, if you are dedicated to something and you put the right energy, focus, and attitude into it, then it will evolve into something positive. Meaning, even if it's just that the out that the blessing in it was just that a bunch of people tried it and he became successful. Why? Because see, that story did go on to talk about you know how to get that 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 key mixed mix of ingredients. Because it's not that he didn't tell what the ingredients were, uh, what was in this you know, anointed oil, but see, this, what was stressed is having the right amount of each ingredient, see, in other words, the time it took to figure out the equal parts and amounts that needed to be added to come out with the perfect mix, the mix that would actually activate the chemicals to work for that particular purpose, so again, you know, the more to the story is he just put the time into it, see, to come up with the method to uncover, you know, the, you know, the method to the madness, I call it, meaning the, the, the key ingredient amounts and levels that were necessary for these ingredients to interact in a way that would have a positive effect. Okay. So all I'm saying is people, for those of you out here looking for the quick fix and, and thinking that you can you know, just, you know, because you got more money, uh, you're going to buy your way into something next week or the knowledge of something next month. No, you just going to buy your way into, you know, something that you're going to run into and bump your head because, see, you weren't prepared for that trip. You just bought the ticket and ain't never traveled down that road. So my point being is you got to put the work into it, people. You got to, you know what I'm saying? You got to, in other words, knowledge is key. If you invest the time and the focus and energy into it, you'll gain the knowledge to perfect it, okay? So stop just jumping around and waiting for people to hand stuff to you or waiting for it to become easy. You know, support means you got to have something that people are willing to support, okay? I mean, if you didn't gave up already, what makes you think somebody else is going to invest in something that you won't even stick to? And that's in building yourself, okay? So, you know, stop letting somebody else tell you things that, was already proven to you to have been effective, whether it be that or something else. I'm not saying that was or that, you know, that the subject matter of this segment is, but I'm saying put the work into it.